Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Scobro Show. This is Steel Curtain Network editor Dave Schofield coming at you. It's Tuesday night. It's just after 9 p.m. We're really close to on time tonight. Where else is a Steelers fan would you rather be to wallow in your misery? And with me, not on screen yet, but we'll be in a second. With me as always, except when he's not, is my big brother Rich. Rich, how's it going tonight? You know, I think we should all just take a minute and... Oh, oh man, it smells under here. <laughs> that's, um, that's what uh, w- trying to wash wash off the stench or whatever it was. Like one of the things Coach Tomlin was saying. Uh, for those of you listening in audio form, yes, this is Big Brosco. He he has technically, if you look at it, that's a that's a Lido's pizza brown bag over top of his face right now because that's kind of how it feels after this game. So. How you going? How's it going, Rich? <laughs> uh, you know, as a Steeler fan right now, I'd like to keep this bag on for the entire show, but really, it is hot to breathe under here. So and I am going. I am going to remove the bag and show my face as a Steelers fan. All right. Well, I'm. I'm just. I just dropped you out of there so you can. So you could get yourself ready. And not uh, have everything smacking into the mic and making sure everything's good. So uh, when you're ready to jump back in, um, I, hey, wow, that was fast, man! Way to go, bro! But uh, let's just say this: I, I, you know what? Part of me wishes I would have had the time. I had way much, too much going on. Going might have to, might have to add this one into our our little quotes that we throw out there every once in a while. And that is Coach Tomlin after his infamous "Good afternoon." He said. Obviously, it was a stinker. <laughs> That's what he said. Um, and it's like takes a while to wash that that stench off. But you know what? It's kind of miserable to to have to be going off of a game like that. But you know what? Misery loves company, so we might as well hang out together, talk about the game, and be here for everyone else who's here with us. <sighs> So we're going to get into this. We're just going to dive right in. There was some news today, some um, practice squad changes. They dropped two players, a running back and a cornerback, brought in a wide receiver, so they still have another practice squad position open on the Steelers right now. Coach Tomlin spoke today. We're going to dive right into We'll talk about various things that he brought up as we go. The big thing, I mean, other than – Let's go ahead and talk about this. Yes, it's news, but it's really just about the game. We already know Cam Hayward, Deontay Johnson, both are going to be out this week. Rich, thoughts? Um, Cam Hayward and Deontay Johnson are both going to be out this week. Yeah. And likely beyond. <laughs> so, Well, let's just go with a typical Tomlinism here and say, well, you know, now's the next man up. What's going to go on? Uh, I want to say I will say one thing. Uh, Cam Hayward being out, I, I hate for him to be out at this point in time. This is definitely not the time in his career where he wants to miss any time, but you know, that can't be changed at this point. Um, I feel I, I'm gonna agree with Shannon White on this one now. now you know, I, I'm will be one to say that Shannon and I don't always see eye to eye on things, but when we do, 
we we see eye to eye on some of the weirder things. Uh huh. Okay. And Shannon was on on the Hangover yesterday and was talking about how he feels better about filling in for a missing Cam Hayward this year than he did a couple of years ago when Tyson Alualu went down. Yeah. And you know what? I I I agree with him on that. Like, is there going to be a drop? Of course, there's going to be a drop. If there wasn't a, going to be a drop, then whoever we put in Cam Hayward's place would be playing instead of Cam Hayward. Or be Here. playing next to Cam Hayward. Right. So, yeah. to me, that's not the question. The question is, is how big is the drop? And I think that what the Steelers have going on this year, that drop is not going to be as severe as we had a few years ago when we lost Tyson Alou for the season. I think that's a very valid point. I'm going to say that I feel that the Steelers have been preparing for life without Cam Hayward for probably at least a couple seasons now. Yes. Now they would they to I mean I it's almost like well first they brought in a fifth round pick in Loudermilk. He could be like a Cam Hayward. Uh, with a fifth round pick, that's more almost in case Cam doesn't make it too much farther. Then you then you up the ante with the Marvin Leal with the third round pick. There you're starting to look at that maybe that could be something more more in line. But I don't know if he's exactly that player. Then you get Keanu Benton last year as a second round pick. They've been adding more and more with more pedigree and more pedigree over the last few years. I think it makes. Um, a lot of sense for them to do so. Steelers fans, we we talked, so many people in our live chat would say this over and over throughout the offseason that, hey, you know, you got to prepare for life without Cam. I, I think they were they were getting ready to do that. I I really want to see some Keanu Benton. I felt that he flashed some really nice things in his first game. But the as you get with young players, you can see the the, the infamous P word, the potential but it doesn't mean that they can sustain it that, you know, play after play down after down game after game. Um, and that's something that they're going to have that, that, that they're going to have to do, but the Steelers, I mean, my goodness, that was probably one of their deepest position groups, but a lot of people were not happy with that position group in the game, which we'll talk about shortly. Uh, anything you want to say about Deontay Johnson before we just really dive into the game? Just, you know, other receivers are going to have to pick up those receptions. So it's yeah. I mean, uh, to say it's not gonna not gonna hurt. Yeah, it's gonna. It's another one. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. What what can you do about it? Someone else has got to step up, or it's going to be really obvious that he's missing. We yeah. want someone to step up, step up to the point where it's not as obvious. And now it's it's interesting because you could look at this and say, you know what, being without Deontay Johnson for a while, I don't. It's not like it's going to help the Steelers win games with him being out. But hopefully, it's not super long. But he's got to be able to come back and 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 do what he does. Uh, because if if he's not ready to come, don't don't bring him back and then have him not really be. I'm thinking of Keller Witherspoon last year when they brought him back right before the bye, which was not the right move because then he was just done. So you got to make sure he's good to go. But if, you know, Kenny Pickett is like, you know what? 
I don't have a wide open Deontay Johnson. I'm going to have to throw it to George Pickens when he's not as open. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Right. You know, Calvin Austin the third getting involved. He's not Deontay Johnson. He's not. No. But I think he's going to be the guy that slides up into that role. He's just going to be different. It's not going to be the same. If you take some of these young and I mean Allen Robinson already showed that he's going to he can step up and 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 in any way you need him to. If those players, if Kenny Pickett ends up getting a rapport and turning to those players in a way, because sometimes Deontay Johnson can really be a safety net. He could be kind of like what I said on the preview last week. He can be the binky. You know, he's what's yeah. comfortable because he's open because he gets open. So when in doubt, go to Deontay Johnson because he's going to get open. So if he doesn't have that, that binky, that safety blanket, that safety net, then he's going to have to find other ones. Then if you get that back and you have found other ones, you're just going to be a better team. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about silver lining? That's the best thing I can say for, for, for silver lining there. Now, does it mean that the Steelers are going to have a lot of success while he's gone? That remains to be seen. So, But do I think the receiving core could be better when, when he comes back? I think they could be. So there, there you go. Um, that's kind of talking about this game last week. Let's let's in, let's embrace the agony, you know, embrace the suck. We haven't talked about we haven't talked since the game. You don't really even want to talk about this game, but Rich, we kind of got to talk about this game. We do. All right. So, where do you want to start? What what's the one thing about this game that you think stands out? In, in in a bad you know probably in a in, in a bad way more than anything and 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 now before you think about that for a minute while I go over the topic of the show because this is kind of what we're going to ask about with every little thing as we go along were the week one Steelers the exception or the rule you know we didn't expect what the Steelers first offense did in the preseason of, you know, five for five touchdowns or the defense where you could say technically when the starters were out there, they never gave up a first down. That was not sustainable into the regular season to happen at that level. But we thought we were going to see something similar to that. Are those the real Steelers or is what we saw on Sunday afternoon, the real Steelers? And we're not going to get this answer for at least another six days and possibly even beyond. But in six days is when we have an opportunity to. So we're kind of, as we talk about these things, is this going to be, was this, when, when I say was it the exception was the rule, is this really who the Steelers are? And the exception was what we saw in the preseason. Or are they somewhere more on that level? And this was just the exception because of, you know, the, the way, a quality opponent, the way the game played out early, not not being ready to, 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 smack the other team in the mouth and therefore you got smacked in the mouth those kind of things all right so what do you want to talk about first Rich? you know i i don't know what what would you like to talk about first dave because i i know at some point you have a soapbox you want to get on and we'll so get there I, yeah yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get there we don't have to I didn't, there i didn't tell you about mine but okay okay go ahead um, so what, so what you start Okay, here's the first thing. I'm, I'm not going to go up on my soapbox yet, but here's the one thing I want to bring up in the game, okay? I knew that the Steelers' first team offense was not going to be the five-for-five five that we got in the in the in the preseason. 
But I also didn't think it would take the Steelers until inside the two-minute warning and the two-minute drill before they could pick up a first down. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's not that really more to say about that. That was all. <laughs> yeah. Just three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three interception, three and out. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm still, unfortunately, I haven't got to see the game again since seeing it live, because I have to see it on. I, I'm not not like you. I wasn't in the not like most of the country that was in the area where they got the Steelers game. I got the Commanders game. So, but I now have Sunday tickets. So, but I can't DVR it. So I would have to wait, and I and I completely forgot to look up when the replay would be, where I would possibly tape it. But do I really want to watch that game again? No. But there are a couple things I would really like to go back and look at again. For example, some have said, oh, De- you know, Deontay Johnson, he fell down in the interception, and all oh, if it wasn't for that, he would have caught it. Caught it. I'm like, maybe he wouldn't have caught it. Probably would have kept the defender from getting the interception, something of that nature. Oh, he's, he's got to not be able to fall down on that. But I also saw others say Deontay Johnson fell down because he was having to adjust to a poorly thrown ball. I haven't been able to actually go back and figure out what that really was. But I wouldn't well, be surprised either way. <laughs> well, you brought up Deontay Johnson and slipping and going down. Let me mm-hmm. bring up my set, my second smaller soapbox I wanted to yeah. get on to for the night, okay? I've really come to the, to the decision that having – both the Pitt Panthers and the Pittsburgh Steelers play on the grass field at Akershire Stadium is a mistake. Especially so close to each other. I mean, Pitt, you're talking right. a night Panthers, game Panthers and then an afternoon. There all, right. Panthers played there Saturday night. Steelers turned around and played the next day. It was raining during the Panthers game. The field got, honestly, tore up pretty badly. And you could actually, if you looked closely on the broadcast, um, could see where there were places where they just filled in with with sand and painted it green. Yeah, and it's funny because people are like, "Hey, this is the Steelers' home field. Shouldn't they know what kind of what kind of shoes they should have had?" Because you know, Patrick Peterson talked about changing his cleats, and others did as well. Then the slipping issue went away. 49ers didn't have a slipping issue, but like I said. That's because they're used to playing on a field that's absolute crap on where they build that stadium. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so at least it was they, several years they, ago. They automatically, play with, the, they automatically play with the longer cleats on grass everywhere yeah. they go because that's what they play on it on their home. home and the turf. Steelers probably played with what they played during their preseason game there, not expecting it to be that bad from Pitt where the 49ers are used to just playing on a bad field. So I, I don't watch a lot of college football. I watched part of that Pitt game on Saturday mm-hmm. night, partly because it was at home and I'm just sitting there watching the field thinking, well, this is going to be great for tomorrow. Yeah. And then for the first Half of the first quarter, it looked like half of the Steelers team were on ice skates. Yeah. And I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Wouldn't you figure that out during warm-ups or something? Don't you think you'd warm up hard enough to figure out? If Which, out? to me, that just goes into overall preparation. Yep. Um, and it's that's why it's basically on everyone. I mean, you're you're talking equipment managers even. You know, you've got to you've got to place it at the feet of 
of everyone, which we'll which we'll get to shortly. But uh, we're going to take an early break. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take it now because I've got a couple things that I want to want to bring up um, uh, about this game that we're going to get to. So we're going to go ahead and break. So that way we can just, if we get rolling, we can just keep rolling. So if you're with us here, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we're not going anywhere. If you're here with us on the audio, we'll be back right after these messages. All right, Steelers fans, we are rolling on talking about what was the suck fest at Acrisure on, I mean, wasn't that great Saturday evening, was it? Let alone Sunday afternoon. So uh, that was back-to-back big disappointments there. I didn't, I I saw the score of that game and kind of how things were playing out. But uh, yeah, Um, just... You got to talk about a couple of the elephants in the room. And I'm going to bring up the first one because I think it's where it's where some people don't want to go because they're afraid of what it means. And you know what? We'll go ahead and talk about this and then and then I'll bring up something else. And that is to say that Kenneth Shane Pickett really struggled on Sunday would be an understatement. Yes. It was not good. The accuracy was accuracy bad. Wasn't okay. wasn't People bad. were talking about, oh, he could have had another interception, but Fred Warner couldn't couldn't pull it in. Fred Warner was trailing on that play, and the ball was so far behind the receiver, it was behind the defender to where he couldn't catch it. And Kenny said said later that you know him and the receivers weren't seeing the same things. That kind of makes sense. You know, just off a little bit of where he thinks they're going to go versus where they're going to go based on how they should react in very minor things even with with, with how things go. And this goes back to an article that I wrote for SteelCurtainNetwork.com during the lull, the lull from the third, not not the lull of of OTAs, the training camp. This is the lull from the third preseason game to the Steelers' week one game. And that is... How's it going to look when teams are specifically game planning for Kenny Pickett? And that's what we saw on Sunday. They were specifically trying to confuse him and the receivers to not be on the same page. And it worked. And it worked. So they didn't see that in the preseason because you don't do that in the preseason. You don't plan in that manner. So, that was what I put part of it up to that, you know, there was a specific game plan for Kenny Pickett that he hadn't seen in eight months. So therefore he didn't react the best way, which made him appear to be inaccurate. I don't know if he was like, like the one that I'm talking about with the Fred Warner didn't catch that one could have just been a bad throw. But I think some of those inaccurate throws were that he expected the receiver to be slightly not where they were whenever he went to release that ball. So I'm I'm not like I said, I don't want to make excuses for him because that's not the way you want it to be. You want to be on you need to be on the same page. Okay. So uh, along the same lines, then I'm gonna have a question for you. Okay. Okay. So so yes, that you know, how is Kenny Pickett gonna do as a second year quarterback coming in for a team that is specifically game planned against Kenny Pickett? Yeah. Did the Steelers' defense have a game plan for Brock Purdy? Because sure as heck didn't seem like it. Oh, I think – no. I think they did. I think their game plan was 
one the one that I mentioned when I used the when I referred to the binky on Thursday is you needed to minimize Christian McCaffrey. Well, they were trying to minimize McCaffrey, Samuel, and Kittle. And you can't meatloaf that. You can't meatloaf it. You can't say two out of three ain't bad. You've got to get all three because Debo right. Samuel, George Kittle, I mean, he converted that fourth down play. That was his biggest play of the game. But they did minimize those two. But then McCaffrey, you couldn't minimize, and Ayuk filled the void. So it was honestly, it was just, it was too much. They they couldn't slow down McCaffrey. They just couldn't. That was their game plan, and they just couldn't do it. That's my opinion. So go ahead. I mean, do you, so, or do you think they just didn't have the plan? I don't think their plan overall was was great. Uh, other than I can say this, so I was catching a lot of balls in what seems to be just huge voids in the zone. So, okay, you're rolling the zones to okay the coverage in the zones towards Debo and Kittle, right? And pretty smart enough to make the throws to to Ayuk, and it kills us. Yeah. Okay. And we really don't adjust for that the entire game. Mm-hmm. If the 49ers are doing a similar thing and Kenny Pickett's not able to make an adjustment, that worries me. Yeah. That Mr. Irrelevant could make adjustments and get mm-hmm. to the guys. And first round pick came. Kenny Pickett couldn't do it. So, well, so, I, now, so I, I have now. I'm yeah. not. I'm not one to sound all, all gloom doom, but it's kind of like you were saying before. I, I'm not sure what I'm looking at yet. And now let's address the elephant in the room. The other one. Okay. The difference is, <clears throat> I, I'm going to start coughing here. The difference is, you're you you were saying Kenny Pickett versus Mister Irrelevant. One, one could change it, you know, adjust on the fly. The other couldn't, okay? Well, first of all, the 49ers knew that the Steelers were going to try to, to try to take away those things. I don't think the Steelers knew what the 49ers were going to try to do to combat Kenny Pickett because the Steelers are not, were not the, the, the jugger, the, the last year juggernaut that the 49ers were. So you had an idea of what the 49ers were based on those things and that's obviously what they're going to try to do because that's what everyone's going to have to try to do. Um, now, now you, if Pittsburgh they think give give a blueprint to the rest of the 49ers opponent opponents, don't try this; it won't work. All right, yeah. there you go. But my thing is, it seemed like Brock Purdy not he, was it himself or was he already prepared to how he was going to adjust, where Kenny Pickett wasn't. Was it on the player there or was it on the preparation, both of the player and those others in the room? That's a good question. So I don't know, but after a game like that, what you sit around and worry about is, is man, the Steelers better be prepared and do a lot of a lot of changing up this week. Cause otherwise they just yeah. gave the entire league, the blueprint, how to, how to beat the defense and the blueprint on how to stop the offense. And that would be terrible. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest with you because we'll get to it soon. I'm pretty glad that the Steelers have a, a familiar opponent this week because the take take that variable out of it, the unfamiliarity with each other and everything that's no longer a variable that you, that we have to worry about. Was that part of the problem? 
All right. So, so that's gone. All right. I want to have a serious conversation about something, but in order to do it, I have to set it up. I am so tired of not being able to have a serious conversation about this because people, and you know what? Kenny Pickett's starting to get into the same category. I thought of this when I brought him up into the same category. And that is you can't have the discussion where the truth lies because the truth lies in the middle. Everyone wants to be so polarizing about how it is. You can't have a rational discussion because all you have is irrational overreactions. And I want to have a serious conversation about the coaching element of this game. And I, I know exactly what's going to happen. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to time out if I have to, or more than anything, I'm probably just going to try to ignore the live chat. Because what it is, is you have to be an extreme. The extreme ends make you feel like you have to pick a side. And the side should be the side of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you have to pick a side. Anytime you say anything critical about, we're going to just Jews in general, Coach, Coach Tomlin, okay, anything critical about Coach Tomlin, you know, oh, you're just one of the Tomlin haters. Anything you say anything good about Coach Tomlin, oh, you're just a Tomlin apologist. Okay, guess what? A coach can have both good and bad things. And you should be able to talk about them without the ridiculous bipolarism of the whole thing. Let's talk about it for real rather than just the emotional. I, I'll be honest with you. I struggle. The emotional, with the personal. The, yes. Just, I, I struggle with talk X's and O's. Identifying the difference between trolling and irrational outbursts. Yes. Because I think you don't really think that. You're just trying to stir everybody up. So, But really, it just might be an, an, an irrational outburst. So I struggle between identifying those two things. So sometimes I think people are just trolling. But now it's time to have this conversation because it's a serious one that needs to be had. All right. Let's talk about the Steelers coaches. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to be polarizing one way or the other because I want to talk about how it really is. Okay. Okay. Let's start at the top. Yes. Let's start with Mike Tomlin. Yes. Had a very my interesting person my, pers my personal okay, my personal opinion on, on Coach Tomlin um and what went wrong for him in this game. And I don't know if he would admit to this, but he would potentially admit to this. Um I think between training camp and the preseason, Coach Tomlin got a little too comfortable and a little too as a coach, got a little lackadaisical. Well, remember, because remember, he doesn't seek comfort. And it almost seemed like things were going well. Yep. And he got too comfortable. Maybe. And it bit him in the well, butt. For Coach Tomlin. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I don't know that Coach Tomlin's ever comfortable. But he, he might have reached a level of comfort that he hasn't before and he shouldn't have. Okay? So, here's the thing with Coach Tomlin. We actually, I actually was at, was in a Sunday school class Sunday morning before, before the game. I went early to go to that because I needed to work with other stuff with the game. And the conversation was talking about how much time it takes to be an expert at something. And during this conversation, I, I brought up, I'm like, even in your, in your job, your job, my job, anyone's job, there are, you, whether you think you're an expert or not, 
there are going to be certain things that you are more of an expert of than others. We use the example of teaching. Okay. You might be a great lecturer, but not a good disciplinarian. You might be a good disciplinarian, and but not a good grader. You might be a good grader, but not a good organizer. You know, those are different things that you could have different strengths. So when you talk about Coach Tomlin and him as a coach, he has he has strengths and he has weaknesses. Okay. Some people talk about, oh, he's just a cheerleader. You know what? You want to say it's just a cheerleader. Part of being a coach is motivating your players to, to yep. do the best that they can. So if you want to call that a cheerleader, you know what? You're wrong. It's part of being a coach. And if you don't know that, then you probably haven't coached because that's part of what you need to do. And you're like, oh, these are professionals. They should motivate themselves. Coach Tomlin says that, but guess what? There are, there are people you will run through a wall for and people that you won't. So that is something that Coach Tomlin does well. Coach Tomlin is not an offensive genius. He's not. Nope. Okay. And I would don't even know that I would call him a defensive genius. I don't know who's really in charge of the defensive stuff. But if you're not an if you and I don't know, and I wouldn't call him an innovator. I would not call him an innovator. But <laughs> I haven't been leave watching, but I thought loose. I had to bring it back. Sorry. They said that's what you got to do today, for sure. Leave the pigeons loose. All right. So, you know, I will say this. When I was there in the preseason, I was upset. I, I saw only one pigeon the entire time. I thought, geez, where's the pigeons? Yeah. Yeah. Need the pigeons. I forgot all about the pigeons. I'm, I'm glad you did that. So back, back, to what, back to my thing. Okay. Coach Tomlin, he is not, he is not an innovator. So do you know what he needs to surround himself with on his staff? innovators. The whole point of a coaching staff is to cover your weaknesses. And I even said this before in my coaching, I was who I needed to be. When I was an assistant coach, uh, um, I, I, the head coach, he was calm, cool, and collected. I was the fiery guy. I was on the officials. I was firing up kids. I was the yeller. I was the screamer. Then when I moved up to be the head coach of that level and I had another assistant, guess what he was? He was the fiery guy. I was the calm, cool, collected guy because well, I needed to be what he wasn't. You needed you need to have complimentary coaches. And I am not a Bat Canada fan. I am not someone that thinks that he should be fired at this second. I was someone that would have been fine and thought it would have been a smart move if they would have let him go in the offseason, but it just doesn't what the way the Steelers do business, they don't like to pay coaches to not do anything. It's just what they do. They live with their decisions to a fault. That happens. But if Coach Tomlin is not a guy that can contribute to the offense in a way to at least bring some innovation, then you need somebody either your coordinator or someone who is close to that coordinator to do so. And I think the Steelers are severely lacking that. I do not think Matt Canada is that guy. I don't think he's the right kind of coach to go with a Mike Tomlin as a coach. I don't think they cover each other's weaknesses and, and, and therefore but with their own strengths. Let, let me go on to the, to the coaching side and falls Matt Kennett a lot and maybe on the fringe here, Mike Tomlin a little bit. And let me say this, you know, uh, I, I'm a guy, I, I look for patterns. I, I look for, you know, things that I, that I notice that repeat themselves. Okay. Here's my concern. Mm -hmm. 
last year in the preseason, we saw some things, you know, it was Ben was gone and some things there. Oh, look, hey, Matt Cannon's showing the flash here. We're gonna look at how we're kind of opening some things up here in the preseason. And look at this and some throws down the field and blah, 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 blah. And we get to the regular season first week, gone. Mm-hmm. Right? And we Let interferes. Okay. D, okay. We're in this preseason preseason and we're seeing those same things. You know, pushing a ball down the field and, and s- some stuff like that. And then suddenly we get to week one. And what was the game plan? The same exact play game plan from week one last year. Yeah. Hey, it, it worked week one against the Bengals. Let's let's do it now. It, yeah. It, it, I'm not laying this all on the coaches because the coaches weren't the ones out there throwing passes behind people. They weren't throwing the pass behind people. They but they also weren't doing any they favors. Weren't, they weren't whiffing on blocks and whiffing yeah. on tackles and things like that. So it, it is not all on the coaches. But to me, from the coaching standpoint, that was a disappointment. Yeah. To kind of see that, that you know, get us all hyped up, see, seeing some different stuff in the preseason, thinking, okay, we're going to look to open up. And then we get to, to, the, to the first game, and the play calling was the same old, same old. Yeah, and we didn't even pick up a first down until we're in the two minute drill at the end of the first half. Yeah, and and but so much was just thrown out the window because they got they got punched in the mouth. Yeah, you know, it's you can spar all you want, but the first time you get punched in the mouth, how are you going to handle it? And that's the well, problem. The Steelers had only been sparring. They only sparred in the offseason and and in preseason. They came out into the into the heavyweight fight and got punched in the mouth as soon as as but, soon as the, the the bell rang. But even in the preseason, a couple times with the first team offense out there, that they went up tempo. Okay, just to try to change things. We didn't go up tempo until we went into the two minute drill. Yeah, like it was literally run out there for how many series in a row and pretty much do the same thing. Yeah. And it wasn't working. It was the definition of insanity. Yeah. Well, but you also got to look at this because I know when people come into the post-game show that we have right after the game here on the YouTube channel, myself, Jeff Harmon, Brian, Anthony Davis, people are emotional. People are irrational. And I, it's the knee jerk reaction. You come together to, to, to live together in our misery, but it just goes to show you how no, the problem is always execution. The problem is always execution. Some A play is terrible when it doesn't work. A play is great when it does. It could be the exact same friggin' play. I talked about that in the Steelers' third play uh, on offense of their last preseason game, the third and five that they threw it deep to Deontay Johnson. If, if that ball was thrown, like Kenny Pickett was throwing balls on Sunday, then it, then what would the narrative have been? Oh, where there they go, throwing deep on third and short. Oh, uh, you know, up oh, three and out, very back to the same old stuff. But they but they executed it. They 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 did it well, and they didn't execute. Now I will tell you play play number two, which was not a jet sweep. It was jet in motion. It was technically a pass play when it went into the books. But yes, in essence, it was a jet sweep. Something was wrong there because the what the play they ran and the way that they blocked it were not the same. 
But even if the Steelers would have blocked it well, they were losing that from a number standpoint, the way that play was yeah. set up. That is not a play that should have been run there. That should have been something that should have been checked out of, if that's something they're allowing him to do right now. But that was not, you know, as soon as you did, that was one of those things. The, the, the Patrick Peterson was talking about, oh, the, their offense has tells. The Steelers' offense has tells. They knew exactly what was going to be coming right there when that happened. So that was not the right play there. And that just kind of got everything like, whoa. You know, then you've got a pass. I mean, I can't even remember which off-target pass was which one and, and things of that nature. And it was – the question for so long was how would the Steelers respond when things weren't going perfectly? Their offense went perfect through the preseason, the first-team offense. Perfect. And the first time they get to third down and they don't convert and they three and out and they got a punt, it was almost like – What's this? I don't know what to do. Is what it felt like. And that's how they played for almost the rest of the entire first half. Yeah. Players and coaches. Yes. Yes, it was like the team had no oh. clue that they were just like, wait a minute. That didn't what's, work? What's this? We didn't do it? Well, oh. what are we going to do now? I mean... To go back to the whole overreaction thing that I started to say, which I never got to in the in the in the in the post game show, was someone had a comment which I thought was hilarious, which goes to show that execution is everything. They said, "Why are this? Why did the Steelers run the ball in the fourth quarter? What's the point? You know how many times they ran the they, they had a running play in the fourth quarter? One, one." And yet there was complaints that they ran too much in the fourth quarter. We complain yep. when the Steelers, you know, stick to a running game that's not working. And we complain when they don't stick, when they don't run it enough to, to see if it even works. I don't know what the happy medium is. Bottom line is they have to execute. If you execute, all that goes away. So all these other problems and complaints it all boils down to the same thing, the exact same thing, execution. Yep. It does, and, you can go out and there really, and run it 25 times for 25 yards. You're not executing. You could go out there and run it five times for 25 yards. You got, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you've got to execute with, whether it's enough or whether it's too much or not enough. So. And, and, you know, in talking to some of this, then you've kind of got me to think about something. Are, are the Steelers, is the Steelers success this season going to boil down to Kenny Pickett being mega accurate? Yeah. And you brought that up, that 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 third down in the preseason when they throw yeah. the ball along to Deontay Johnson. He dropped right I in mean, there. I mean, is, is Kenny Pickett going to have to be mega accurate? You know, there's a good chance that that's the, that's going to be the case. That if the games where Kenny Pickett comes out and is perfectly on target and throwing the ball exactly where he wants to throw it, the Steelers win. If Kenny Pickett comes out and is struggling to hit receivers, um, get on the same page like the issues we had the other day, the Steelers are going to really struggle. Yeah, I want to bring up a comment. Sorry to do this, Matt Roberts. It says execution comes down to coaching. Wholeheartedly disagree with that. Yes, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Okay, preparation does not equal execution. 
the coaching comes to prep is all about preparation. You know, when you stand out, when you go out there on the field and the the guy lined up, the guy on the defensive line lined up across with the guy on the offensive line just comes out there and whips you. That is not coaching. And that and that just distributes the whole execution of the play. That's not coaching. That's the Jimmies and Joes. Execution comes down to the players doing their job on the field. And now coaching is a component of it, but it is not what it comes down to. Right. You know what? Coaching helps it. But if the players not goes out there and you could have them as mentally prepared as anything you could do, and they still can't go out there and get the job done. That that's what it comes down to. You got to actually, you've got to get the job done when the time comes. Okay. Thank you. Because we, we don't, I, yeah, I don't I want to make sure we, yeah. I don't lose them. There's a new thing on there where they, where I can go I and, and, and go into their, their, their right. own category. That's where I went. <laughs> okay. So let's go ahead and do this. Tyler W. $5 in the tip jar. Thank you, Tyler. He says, my theory, Steelers have an A plus game plan or they lose. We don't have the personnel to rise above the scheme like Ben could. Only Watt does now. That I'm not is, sure how I feel about uh, that. That is, I would call that a, I don't want to call that an accurate statement. I want to call that a mostly accurate statement. Yeah. The the Steelers, we the Steelers have had teams in the past where they could get off the game plan, and it would and it didn't matter as much. Yeah. That wiggle room is a lot less with this current Steelers team. Yes. So, so I, I don't want to say it's that narrowed it's a, the path. One hundred percent the path. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a one hundred percent true statement, but it's yeah. a, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good observation in terms of, you know, we, you know, the teams that are out there in the league that can be very good, but they don't have that wiggle room. Okay, I'm sorry, San Francisco 49ers? Yeah. They got the wiggle room. They have the wiggle room. See, because the Pittsburgh Steelers do not. I'm, I'm going to add something to Tyler's thing and to what I believe would make it more accurate. And I think he would completely agree with this. You can tell me later, Tyler. He says, my my theory, the Steelers have, an, have to have an A-plus game plan against high-quality opponents yeah. or they lose. You can't – You. they are not good enough. They are not – the coaches are not good enough without the players, and the players are not good enough without the coaches. They all have to come together with the game plan and the execution of it if they're going to beat a high-quality opponent. The Steelers faced a couple high-quality opponents last year, the ones we like to talk about the most with the, uh, that I keep bringing up is the Bills and the Eagles. We saw how that happened, and the Steelers showed the same thing with this one, and that's what was disappointing. But they had to have an A-plus game plan and the personnel pulling off that game plan in order to be able to beat the Niners. But I thought they could beat the Niners because it looked like they were bringing that all together in the in in during the faux football, you know. Yeah, period. and then and then basically the game plan looked like a Levi Wallace tackle. They just kind of whiffed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> wasn't there. Or right, here, here, here's the other one. We got two dingo dollars uh, from our buddy Marky D. Steelers yep. National Love me some dingo dollars. Yeah, he says we complain about everything. Uh -huh. No, it's just 
you want to know what went wrong. And the thing is, it's a lot, so many times, it's just one little thing. You could have the play blocked great. The, the, the receiver could run the route super crisp. And if the ball's off a little bit, not only could it, is it going to probably be an incompletion, it could very well be an interception. You know, one, one aspect of everything makes it go. In order to, to have a successful offense, it all has to work together. Now, there are some times that it's designed that, hey, if the guy if the guy on the backside, we would like him to try to reach and go get that block. But if he doesn't get that block perfectly, then we only get a five-yard gain instead of a 15-yard gain. Sometimes you get things like that. But for the most time, it takes everything. It takes everything. We got another one here. We got Kyle Smith. Okay. Um, I want you to answer this question here, Rich. Yep. It says, why do they keep trying to move Minka around? It has never worked. When does uh, – uh, let's go ahead and answer that one first, and then we'll, then we'll move on. <sighs> right now, the way Minka's playing, I'm worried with some of that has to do with the, the safety personnel. Yeah. With, and, and the packages that they're running right now. Um, I'm, I'm not totally sure what I think of that. Actually, I know who I'd love to hear weigh in some more on that with some film to back it up, that that would be Coach KT Smith. would yeah. love to get his take on this. And with a little bit of, of some of the film work he does to back it up would be would would probably help me set my thoughts on that a lot more. Only because I trust, I I trust, I trust KT to to really show me what I think. Either show me what I think I'm seeing, or show me where I'm where I'm seeing things incorrectly. I'm not I'm not sure I'm seeing it well enough right now to get too deep into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what? I, I might be able to answer that better actually. I might be able to answer that better next week after I've sat in stadium and watched the game yeah. because I have a hard time picking up safety play on television. I, yeah. it's just when I'm watching games on TV, yeah, it really is safety play is not something you're I'm not going to get really the same. You're not going to get the same view. Now you're on the side. You're not in the end zone where you really get to get the safety view of the safety um, play. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, except for one thing. But I'm still really way up high and looking. That's down. true. So you that's are pretty high, so you, yeah. you get that. So yeah, um, yeah. So to me, yeah, if they wanted to do the same thing with Terrell Edmonds, he left for so cheap. You should have just kept Terrell Edmonds. I don't know. I'm hoping this was just something specifically because of everything with the 49ers that they will have a different game plan with Minka. So. Next thing that Kyle says, when does when does Dan when does Man Moore get sat? And he says about worst rated OT by PFF. And then they said about Henny about Kenny got his head smacked again. Dan Moore did not have a good game, but it was really interesting how Coach Tom talked about it. He he said how he thought the guys up front with with pass protection did the job that they wanted them to do until late in the game when everything got one-dimensional and they could just tee off and go do their thing. Yeah. The Steelers held – held. Um, I said the wrong one. Nick Bosa – it's Nick, right? I almost said Joey. Yes. Nick Bosa no, in check. Yeah. 
they, they held him in check. That was kind of, that was their goal. And they did that regardless of where he moved to. They did that. Now here's what's interesting. I mean, would you say, I mean, Bosa was all, all but shut out of the, you know, didn't have any sacks. Right. Like he, he, he might've had like, he, a, was, he might've had a pressure or two, but that that's right. it. He, he was there yeah. and he played, but he was, he was for the most part, a, yeah. a very low impact player. Yeah. Now, someone who I felt had a lot of impact on the Niners' de- defense running around in the middle of the field was Fred Warner. Now, you brought up how how Dan how, how Dan Moore was the worst-rated offensive tackle by PFF. Yeah, I do the reports on PFF. I know. I got this. I did the article today and everything else. I mean, my goodness, the left side of the Steelers' offensive line were the bottom center guard tackle were the bottom three scores. I didn't argue much with the Steelers' scores with where they fell with each other. But remember, PFF is just an opinion. It's an opinion based on looking at every play, but it's just an opinion. To show you how much PFF doesn't necessarily get it right, who do you think was the highest-ranked defender for the San Francisco 49ers in that game, Rich? Oh, well, let's see. I'll just go out on a limb since it's PFF. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know how much they love Miles Garrett when we shut him down to nothing and give him wonderful scores. Let's just say it was Nick Bosa then. You are correct. It was Nick Bosa. Right. Who was their lowest rated defender for the San Francisco 49ers? The only one with less than a 60 score. Probably the guy that got three sacks. No, it wasn't that guy. Because they'll, okay. they'll, they'll then, do that. Then they probably said Fred Warner. It was Fred Warner. Who was they all over the Joey place? Bo- or Joey, Nick Bosa was the best defender on the field for the 49ers, and that Fred Warner was the worst. That is not what happened that in that is game. Not what I saw. That doesn't that pass the eye what test. happened in that game. That is a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that ridiculous? That is ridiculous. That, that, so, that's ridiculous. To me, I thought they did all right with the Steelers scores this week. But I looked, I, I wanted to peek over at San Francisco's. And when I saw that on defense, I'm like, I, I can't even trust what they said for the Steelers. Nick, Nick, Nick Bosa was, was middle of the pack, and Fred yeah. Warner was in the top third. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's easy. Yeah. It really was. He was all over the place. I don't I know what else they, 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 they wanted to do. Okay. <sighs> Rich, we haven't even turned the corner because so much of turning the corner is fixing of what happened. Yes. So I'm sorry I kind of went off. And, and like I said, the Steelers, they're, you're stuck with this year. People are saying you're going to fire. They're, no one's getting fired. They're not firing anyone now. So you can scream all you want about it. It's not going to happen. Okay. It's but that's what happens after the Steelers lose, especially big loss. You want to fire everyone. You want to bench everyone. Well, you don't have better players to put in and, you, and you're not going to find someone someone that's going to come in. I mean, I mean, you could argue that someone else could maybe step in and do a better job, but it's just not the way they're going to do it. Okay. So uh, sometimes you just have to accept reality, but I, I am going to say that I just don't think that, that Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin together bring enough innovation and dynamic play. And I don't think it's a problem with the players at this point. Now, maybe they had more innovation and more dynamic play that we were supposed to see in week one, and the inaccuracy of Kenny Pickett didn't allow them to do it. I don't believe it. 
I, I don't I don't believe it because I'm not going to say, oh, it would have happened if. Not going to believe that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible. I, I just don't believe it. So I'm getting all wound up tonight <laughs> about everything. You. It was really nice to be able to talk for real about coaches and not be and not have, have this where you have to be one extreme or the other. Because I will say there, there are so many people that wish more than anything they could play for Mike Tomlin. And you hear the speeches and all that. And the, that is his strength. The problem is he has to have the right people. He has to be able to identify his own weaknesses and bring in the right people to cover them. And that's the mistakes that I think that they made. And I don't know if they're, if you know, and my concern is, is that it won't ever get fixed. And, and I'll believe it when I see it. Because to me, they're 0 for 2 in their last offensive coordinators. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not even going to bring it up, but I'm going to pick on somebody in the in the live chat. John Stevens, uh, you know, he kind of says, "Sorry, not sorry." Ken has got to go ASAP. He's going to. It's not going it. to happen. Look, you can have the right, and you can keep saying it, and I'm not going to take that away from you. You can keep saying it, and I can keep, and I'm just going to then just keep telling you, keep saying it. It's not happening during the season. It's just not. It's they not. won't fire him. If anything, though, they will under the radar without trying to let anyone know, take various responsibilities from him. Right. I'm not saying that they wouldn't do that. Right. But, but I mean, my goodness, say- they basically, years ago, um, before they hired Mike Munchak, they they literally had an offensive line coach that came into work every day and did nothing because they took everything away from him. And that's how Sean Serrett or started, started off with more responsibilities with the Steelers because they were done with him, but they weren't going to fire him. Right. If anything, so, that should tell you that, how so, it's going to so, be. So if you think in week 10 or 11 that Matt Canada is not going to be sitting in the press box, keep thinking it because it's not that's not going to be. Now, mm-hmm. if he's, he's in the press box, mm-hmm. guess what? He might not be the one who's in the quarterback's helmet feeding them the yeah. plays. That we'll never know. Yeah. I would love if they would change things, but if they do it, they're going to do it so low profile, they'll do everything to keep us from finding out about it. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, because really, how much do we know now? They keep it low profile. We don't know. Like, we still don't know. People still think they know and talk like they know. They don't know. You don't know how much input Mike Tomlin has on the defense for real. Mike Tomlin's right. He's got his hands at everything. But people that say, well, Tomlin calls all the defensive plays. We don't know that. People have assumed that at times, but we don't know that. Because they're they're going to do everything they can to keep us from knowing that. So, yeah. All right. Turn the court. Right. Turn the page. We don't, we're already running real late with that, but 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 there we are. Let's talk but uh, and it, but it's funny. So it is frustrating because we, you know, and it sometimes we put so much more on the coaches because we feel like that's the easier fix. What's easier to replace your offensive coordinator or to replace your starting quarterback? Right. What's easier? <laughs> I mean, re- really. So, and not only that, your starting quarterback that's supposed to be your quarterback moving forward for the future. Because let's say, oh, yeah, well, they could always just go to Mitch Trubisky or or Mason Rudolph like people talk to and everything. That's not your future. You would be starting over. You would you would live in the present to restart your future. And, and that's that's really, really difficult to do. So I, I want to be critical of Kenny Pickett for this game. But that doesn't mean that we write off Kenny Pickett. Just like one one game does not a season make, one game does not a career make. Okay, 
Kenny Pickett can come out and rip the Browns a new one on Monday night, and we'll we'll just say, oh, that just goes to show how good the 49ers are, and we'll be all about it. I look at it this way. Kenny Pickett may have been there, and the accuracy wasn't really there on this weekend. Okay, and I've got the perfect analogy to look to look at. It's 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 like, you know, I'll just pick somebody. So, um, Roger Clements. Roger, uh, no, better than that. Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox will t- was known as a pinpoint accurate pitcher in mm-hmm. baseball. And Greg Maddox will tell you there were times that he went out and took the mound and did not have it. Mm-hmm. The other day, Kenny Pickett did not have it. He didn't that have does it. not mean that he doesn't walk out there on Monday night and have it. Yeah. It can work that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when you're talking about a, a, a player that's at the beginning of their career. I mean, my goodness. For example... I can't even remember his name, but he was their first overall pick for the Pirates in baseball. What happened? They ended up shutting him down. But what did he do? He went out and had a bad outing. Oh, no, he had a bad outing in double A or whatever it was. This guy is, you know, it happens. It happens. Here we go. We got We got one. $5 from I want Vincent. You're is it Gorello or if you go sure. Spanish, you Gorello. Um, probably Gorello. Um, five dollars says the story is that Call they aren't built. G. <laughs> the story is that they aren't built to beat a front seven like that, even with the improved O line. I can I can agree with that statement. I they're 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 still especially in week one. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. especially, especially maybe maybe later in the season the offensive line can come together and get that nasty streak. But maybe maybe they had some paralysis by analysis. Maybe the 49ers were doing stuff they just did not anticipate. You know, and and they couldn't stop it, along with being really really good. Okay, so we said even with the previous line, Browns are a, are are a test, good D, but not San Fran. Thoughts. Yeah, I kind of agree. My statement pretty true. The Browns, a good defense, but they're not a San Francisco level defense. Going to, again, we we got a litmus test on the Steelers from this past week. It was not good. This week will be another litmus test, and we will see exactly where they fare on that one. Um, Again, right now, we've only got one game to analyze. Yes, exactly. By next week's. Show we'll have two mm-hmm. games to analyze. It will have more data. Um, it's going to be to see what that data is. And it's probably it's because they played the Steelers right now. The 49ers are the only team that I am definitively putting in the top tier of defenses in the NFL. They're not alone. I just I just want more data for the rest of them. Like I didn't watch enough because that game was boring and I was so mad about the Steelers to know how great the the the, the Cowboys defense was. You know, the um, Jets defense good. looked pretty it good. Was, you know, it reminded me of San Francisco and the fact that they played fast. Yeah. So um, those I would are put some those, other teams put those that two. are going to be up there. But I'm just yeah. saying the question is, is it San Francisco and a couple other teams or is it just San Francisco? We know that they are that based on the Steelers experience that they're up there with that. Um they are a good defense. Um, you just wanted to see your team come out and, and do and do a little bit more with it. 
All right, Daniel H. has a $1.99. He says, I'll bet $1.99 that Tom will be fired on Friday. I am assuming this is a pretty good joke because he already gave us the $1.99 because he knows it's not yes, going to happen. exactly. <laughs> I like that, Daniel. That's a pretty good one, uh, I have to admit. So um, was that the last one? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, just making sure. So now I can't find it to make it go away. <sighs> Here we go. Um, this is just – Disappointed in the offensive line that there was a play early in the game I wanted to bring up. I, I know we need to get going. There's a play early in the game where Najee's in the middle, right around the line of scrimmage, and still fighting. And Isaac Samalo and someone else were just kind of standing there next to him. It almost seemed like it was another example of, wait, what's he doing right here? This isn't what we yeah. thought was going to happen because you don't just stop and stand around while guys are trying to tackle your lineman, right? Or lineman, your running back right next to you. So just some, something was off. Something was off. So rich, let's turn this corner real quick, even though we're running about 10, 15 minutes behind. So, so what needs to happen for Monday? What, what needs to go on Monday night? Uh, the, offensively, the Steelers need to move the football. Um, Defensively, uh, I'll just go straight up say it. The Steelers need to stop Nick Chubb. Yeah. There you go. There's the two keys. Move the ball offensively. Doesn't mean we got to score a touchdown every time or things like that, but the Steelers need to get more consistency in moving the football down the field. And they will need to stop Nick Chubb. Yeah. There you go. But at least it's a more familiar person for them to try to stop. And a more familiar system and more familiar coaches. You know, it almost seemed like, yeah, that I don't know that the Steelers could could anticipate what the 49ers might have been throwing at them. And yeah, that one does fall on coaching. Yep. It does. It does. So I don't know what else to say more about this game coming up. And other than was this last this is going to help judge more, was week one the exception? Or the rule. So how you feel about this game coming up probably goes to show more how you feel. Is this the team, the Pittsburgh Steelers team, that we're going to basically expect to see each week in 2023? Doesn't mean getting your doors blown off. It means you're you can you can stick in it with close games with teams that are eh, but teams that are you know talking about Lombardies, you're not going to stick with them. They're just going to take it to you. Is that what they're going to be? Or is it that, you know, they're they're more a team that can play with those type of teams. They just didn't have their stuff on Sunday. Right. So, to me, kind of how you feel about that is going to be the is, is going to be kind of how you answer the big question. Rich, are you ready to do it? Yeah. What's your what's your score prediction for Monday night? All right, Monday night. You're going to be there, so that's going to make it different, I will right? be present in Akershire Stadium. My daughter and I are going to the game. We are looking forward to it. Um, I expect to see a much better football game. I expect this will be a very close football game, as a lot of times games with the Browns are, and especially talking early in the season. Um, mine's going to be simple. I'm going to base this on the fact that uh, – Cleveland won against 
Cincinnati week one and the Steelers got drubbed out by the 49ers. So I'm going um, Cleveland 21, Pittsburgh 17. Yeah, and I'll, I'll talk about it more on Stat Geek. I know Jeff's already mentioned a couple of times. There's a crazy stat about teams the, the the week after they play the 49ers. Yep. I don't think a single team last season won a game after they played the 49ers. So I'm going to go back and look at that a little bit more. Stat Geek and see exactly how those games looked and everything else. Now, before I put it in there for everyone to put their score in there, I want to bring up one other comment first. This rings so true with so many of us, Wes, because – um, of where he was talking about, hey, I, I, this is what I was thinking with Steelers. It's like, um, he says that doesn't mean because he was talking about, I'll admit I was wrong. I thought this team could really hang with people. So I think I, I looked at his previous comment just to make sure I knew what he was saying because I liked what he said here. He says that doesn't mean I didn't have a reason to be confident in the Steelers, but now that confidence is gone. Yeah. I, that, that, I think that sums up so many people. So many people that, that believe that they could go in there and even beat the 49ers because of what they've done in week week ones recently and things like that, that they did that. You There was confidence there, but now that confidence is gone. There are people already putting scores in there, but guess what? They don't count. You know it nope. because I haven't put it in the live chat yet. So here we go. So I'm trying to look at names so I know not to bring yours up. No, I'm not going to be that spiteful. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but let's get them quick. Right. And here Core. we go. Who do y'all like? Yeah. So here you go. And remember, if you just give a score, we assume you mean that Steelers win. That's just our, our overall way that we do things. Awesome. Um, George says Steelers uh, 20 to 17 in OT. Okay. Thomas Riley says Brown 17, Steelers 17, tie. Um, uh, let's see. Whoa, it keeps skipping on me. Uh, Gabriel Golden says 26-20. That's got to be Steelers. Uh, Brian Brown says 31-21 Steelers. Um, we're, we're in Kenny's small hands, okay? In other words, shake off the stank of last week. That is what they're going to be like. Uh, Afton says 17-13 Steelers. Dion Eaton says 24-21. Did it come up yet? Steelers. I clicked on it. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Steel Dog 88. Has um, Steelers Steelers thirteen ten with Boss coming through. Um, there's just so many things you could go either way with this. Steelers have like twenty straight home wins on Monday Night Football, going back to 1991. I wish but then teams, that. you know, what's that? But then teams don't that. beat the 49ers or win the week after playing the 49ers. There's so many ways you could convince yourself one way or the other. George Rice says Pittsburgh twenty eight seventeen. Okay, he's like, we don't lose with Big Bro in attendance. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, well, Wes, <laughs> I, I love you, Wes, but man, you're such a waffler, man. The Steelers are going to go fifteen and two. Now they're going to go two and fifteen. I know because you're just like they broke your heart. They broke your heart, and and so this is what you expect now. And I get it. Yes, forty three three Cleveland. Okay. Um, so the Steelers can only score as many points as what the what the Bengals did. Um, uh, Steelers Nation Australia says Steelers eight, Browns four. Same score starting quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, Kyle Smith, uh, 22-21 Steelers. BF Bud. Had, good to see you, BF Bud. Um, didn't see you in the live chat earlier. 27-23 Steelers. I always mess up this name. Rob Fitoff. 
Thank you, 30 to 16 Browns. Uh, Mark Lancaster says 28 to 10 Steelers. Frosty to Bear says 17 13 Steelers. See, notice a lot of people that are saying Steelers are really dropping their, their scores down. Last week, there was a lot of high scores. And I'm like, uh, I saw this big war game in the 20s. And it didn't even get to that. So, um, how do I say Yeah, that? I got to include any. I have no idea how to say that. We'll say Verge. Verge says 31 3 skid marks. Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, someone was confirming that they said the only team that won after playing the 49ers was uh, this is W. Mitchell said was the Chiefs, but that's because he had a buy in between. So that's something I'm 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 trying to dive into. Uh, um, Thomas Potts. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Thank you, Thomas Potts. Twenty-eight nine Browns. David Poe. Twenty to seventeen Steelers. John Walter. Twenty to thirteen Steelers. He says Watson gets right. I I still think T- we didn't even talk about the good in TJ Watt. I mean TJ Watt just needs to keep being TJ Watt. What do you just, need to say? Just. So what else just, is just, just, just TJ Watts good? There yeah. you go. TJ he, he 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 hold on a second. TJ Watts really good. No, no, TJ Watts is but they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. That's TJ Watt. <laughs> that's TJ Watt. I think I did the wrong one. I, I did the full thing. But yeah, that now I'm I'm trying to find where where is I completely lost. There Back it is. Back to scores. Yeah. Um, no, I couldn't find where it was. Um, Steve Sapos. Sapos. Uh, Steelers 28, Browns 14. Hey, that's what the score was at the end of last year. Uh, I, I like your thinking. Uh, Ruben Stone says 20 to 13, good guys get back on track. Uh, outside Steeler fan says good guys 24, Browns 14, that the defense really turns it around. Biggie Bronco says 24 to, seven, or to 17, Browns. Uh, Christopher Eleven says 27-10 Browns, but to what he's like, it's what you think, but that's not what you're hoping for. Gotcha. Tyler W, uh, 21-16 Browns says the Steelers just aren't ready for primetime yet. I was starting to think the problem is the Steelers played primetime games for all three of their preseason games. Maybe primetime is what they need. Just put that out there. Matt Roberts, 28-10 Browns. Carey, 28-10 Browns. Uh, Pittsburgh Toddy. 20 to 17 Steelers. Night Rider. We got a lot of people here tonight. Right? Night Rider 16. 24 10 Browns. Mr. Woodside. 23 20 Browns. Um, uh, Sherry Richards says she's still sticking with 23 to 21, just like last week. Uh, w. Mitchell says, did it come up? Yeah. There it is. 24 21 Steelers, hopefully. Um, uh, Vincent G, you got to say there, 27-21 Steelers come through the game-winning drive. Um, looking for more scores. I had some good – people were asking great questions, but we, we, we're just going to bring up scores. Uh, Tom Vallejo says uh, Browns 27, Steelers 10. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian Brown uh, – oh, he says – I, I thought that was a score. That was a record prediction, 16-1. Uh, uh, BF Bud says he's just lurking. Uh, no one you know here. There you thank you. 2310 Brands. Um, Iron Fist 2713 Browns. As you can see, you know, no one did other than you, you were the only one who picked the Niners last week, remember? 
Okay. Um, Everybody gave me a hard time. Yep. Who was right? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, Alan Goddard. Right, but I, I had a feeling I was going to be right. Alan Goddard says Browns 35, Steelers 7. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any more. Left. Oh, we got a super chat. I missed this one. Yeah. Tyler W, two bucks, says now, now people saw the 49ers. They learned what, what 30 points per game means. In other words, that's the performance you kind of need for 30 points a game. Is that what, how you take that, Rich? That's how I take that. Yeah. So I'd be I'd, I'd be crazy. I, I'll be interested to see if anyone can put 30 on that defense this season. Um so you gotta read that one. <laughs> said I can't do it, Dave. I retract my previous score. 26-21 Steelers. Yes, I haven't <laughs> got there yet. I know what you mean, Wes. I, you know what? That this is my problem right now. I I'll tell you right now, if I gave my score now, it would be it would it, it would not be the Steelers if I give my score now. But I got two days until the preview, and who knows how it's gonna how it's gonna change by then. So I definitely feel you there, Wes. Um, um, someone said that you sounded like Denny Green. That was because it was Denny Green. Was Denny. Um, <laughs> Richard yeah. Adamson says seventeen fourteen Steelers. I could, you know, I think that's kind of what it's what it's going to take. Would it be nice to see the Steelers come out and just the offense just go? Explode and be like, "Whoa, this is what we were waiting for." But no, I, I don't even need I'd love to, to see it. I, I can't predict it. I just need to see some some. I just need to see some good plays, some good drives, some points on the board. They need to restore my faith in the offense because yeah. it was that bad. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Um, George Rice said something I want to kind of bring up. He said, last week, nobody would have picked the Browns. You're right. Last week, the Steelers were favored in this game, and now they're not. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But you know what? We're going to continue to bring it. I've I, We're so close to the last game, we haven't really, you know, usually we're more of the transition show, but the next game is an extra day away. So that's why we really did focus more on the last game, which means that our schedule, it's going to probably hold pretty true until the weekend with our podcasts. And then some things might be tweaked. We'll talk about that later in the week as we, as we get to go on that next week, we'll be on a compressed schedule. I assume we'll still be Tuesday night, but we very well might be the second of two shows. Uh, we've yeah. done that in the past. If we don't get bumped to a different night, to, you know, back at night, we I've, I've got to yeah, talk we, about we that may, yeah, with the powers that be. Right. We could see an early, you know, regular five o'clock hangover followed by the nine p.m. Scobros. We'll see. Yeah, but that that very well could be it. I just hope, I just hope the overall tone is going to be different. I mean, I just want to feel different because yeah. that was such a terrible, terrible game, such a shellacking. I just don't want to feel like that again. It, it was it was rough. Yeah, and the thing is... Give me is, some hope. There was no yeah. hope coming out of that game. I need some hope. And the problem is this. It's the one problem with it being the Browns is that if almost any other... If it wasn't an AFC North team, you could maybe even go into this game and say, you know what? If they don't... It's a quality opponent. If they don't win, maybe you can still take something about them going in the right direction. Not with the Browns. 
No. You know, probably only going to feel – I mean, you might feel a little bit better about the trajectory, but you're not going to feel that much better if it's not a W, yeah. really. Because yeah. uh, honestly, if you're going to – I mean, not only is that the best team, probably the best team the Steelers are going to face all year, possibly the best team, it's, it's a non-conference opponent. Non-conference opponent. So it hurts the least other than the fact you dropped one of your home games. But you had an extra one this year. So – you know, lose then if you turn around losing a, a division game, that hurts. Yep. So we're gonna see. Is 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 what we saw in the, as the potential during the preseason? Is that spark still inside the Steelers? I'm, I mean, yeah, everything's vanilla, but they just had a different spark about them that they did not have in this game. Is that spark still there, or was that the exception? Or was it, hey, bad outing, got to do better next time. That spark's still there, and let's see it. All right, Rich, what do you want to say here to close this out tonight? Um, really, I, I just – ready to move on. Yes. Really, that's where we are. We're ready to move on. So we got to wait that extra day. Got to get across to Monday before we even get the chance to move on. Um, hey, I, I – I'm going, I'm going to be sitting there. I'm going to have yeah. my terrible towel. I'm going to be, you know, screaming my brains out like I usually am. And, um, you know, uh, somebody mentioned, Hey, maybe our chances are better. Cause I am going to the game, but Kyle is not. Kyle <laughs> was cursed there for a little while. Yeah. Um, but you know, in, in the end, you know, we're going to go play. I'm going to cheer for my Steelers. And really my hope is, that I come back here on Tuesday night and uh, get to breathe in that sweet smell of victory. Can't wait. Can't wait.